Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and also on the web streaming on a Tuesday night at www.triplehfm.com.au and afterwards at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts. Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes and all the other places as well. Well, while we continue to batter down the hatches and start the long journey through this COVID-19 emergency darkness, we continue here on Splinters to give you the best of local and national sports talk that is around that we can get our hands on. Continuing our series from recent editions of The Bench, looking at how the COVID-19 emergency has affected local sporting clubs at the Hornsby and Kuringai level, at the grassroots level of the various sports around the place. And so we go to the world of Australian football, the national game, and arguably the flagship club in the Hornsby and Kiringai districts for the Australian game, the Pennant Hills Demons. It was my pleasure, even though it was under very strange circumstances, would have loved to have been talking to this man about the start of the impending Sydney AFL season and how the Demons were going to go, given they've made finals the last two years. But Chris Yard, the senior coach, has had a lot on his plate to deal with on and off the field over the last couple of weeks as this COVID-19 emergency has closed in on him, on the club, on the players in the club, and just about the rest of us. I started by asking him about the timeline of how the COVID-19 emergency developed and broke out at club level. Last week, we started our wrap around all of the major clubs in the Hornsby and Keringai district that have feeling the brunt at the coalface of the decisions that have been made to basically in increments lock Australia, lock New South Wales, lock Sydney down to try and get through the greatest uh, emergency that has faced this country in over a century, the COVID-19 emergency pandemic situation. So we continue with that tonight by going to the flagship club, although a mob down the road, the other side of uh, Chatswood may beg to differ, but the flagship flagship club for the Australian game, Australian rules football in these parts, the Pennant Hills Demons, they had to swallow uh, the bitter medicine of shutdowns at the Sydney AFL competition when announced a week and a half ago in consultation with the AFL to, at this stage, May 31. It could be longer to get the lowdown on how they received the news and what they've done in a proactive way to try and keep themselves going in this hour of darkness. I speak to Chris Yard, the senior coach of the Pennant Hills Demons. We would love to have been having him on the program, making his debut on the bench under much better circumstances, but he's joining us tonight. Hello, Chris. Good evening to you. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Indeed. All right, let's get down to a bit of the timeline as to what happened. Take us back... 10 days or so now, Um, how did you, the club, first hear about what was coming and then the eventual announcement of the suspension of competitions? Yeah, sure. So obviously the AFL made their their call uh, mid last week um, in terms of stopping uh, stopping some of the, the higher leagues. So that was the VFL that we sort of first started to hear about what they call their state leagues, so VFL and the NEFL, um, which sit above us. Um, and then it was imminent that we were going to be hearing something about uh, what's probably deemed community football in the AFL speak. Um, so we received that, well, whatever it was, last week. Um, yeah, so we tried to, as a club, uh, we had a meeting last Thursday between sort of uh, our president and, and a number of committee members as well as a few coaches. Uh, Perrin Hills is quite a large group. In terms of coaches, we've got, uh, or teams, we've got uh, six men's teams and, and three female teams at the moment. Um, so we, we brought those people together and worked out what we could probably try to do, not only from just an on-field perspective, but about what we could be doing off-field perspective. And, th- and this was after the announcement came through from the Sydney AFL 
as you mentioned, uh, the VFL, the NFL made their the, the AFL made their call on that about to, uh, at the early the week before last, and then the announcement came through about Tuesday, Wednesday last Tuesday, week. Tuesday, Wednesday, I think. It, yeah, yeah, the community football, yeah. Sydney AFL, all the various divisions of uh, Melbourne football, etc., were to be suspended. Uh, or postponed because a lot of competitions haven't started yet, or hadn't started yet. I mean, the the Lightning Women's Premiership had ironically finished at Henson Park, what two days that before day, the announcement? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two days before the announcement, um, it came through, and so you had the meeting last Thursday night in the wake of the Sydney AFL announcement to fall in line and suspend all competition till May 31. Yeah, that's right. So we tried to work out certainly from an on-field perspective. If you might speak to that, it's around what we could do and sort of last Thursday we were talking about whether we could be doing location-based training in small groups, um, of which that was certainly a plan until about Monday or Tuesday when I think uh, the Prime Minister came out and sort of banned essentially most the majority of that. So we haven't been able to put that into place. Um, so, you know, there's no CrossFit training or anything like that out in groups. As we all know, so yeah, so we're sort of going to have to go back into individual separate sessions, really. There's, there's not much more that we can be doing that. I know a couple of guys will have a bit of a kick around, you know, with two or group, two groups or two tour group or anything like that. But um, it'll essentially be writing programs now um, across an individual basis where things can be done by themselves. There's not a lot you can do about the calls that are made by government, but the disappointment of having this done incrementally has got to be fairly acute and you've got to feel it thinking, okay, we can... Because you made an announcement late last week from uh, Phil Hare, the club president, all the way down. Right, we're going to try and work in groups, have groups of six training near where they live. That was the original plan. Six, say, in the eastern suburbs, six in these parts and those that lived in Western Sydney because you do have players that come from all over Sydney to play for the Demons in both men's and women's competitions across the grades um, in these various groups around Sydney. The announcement, as mentioned, came on Monday uh, that restricted that. How hard... Well, firstly, how disappointing has it been to deal with these incremental blows to your planning? Yeah, look, I think it's it's probably a bit like anything in terms of business and, and things just changing so quickly and and so frequently, you know, everyone. I'm working from home now permanently. Um, so it's just, I think it's the nature of the beast. And I think it was hard for hard for a lot of the boys and girls, for that matter, um, that had probably trained for the best part of three or four months, and and sort of the, the information and getting getting that out to them, um, you know, because there was, I suppose, not a consistent message that was going out. We could we could do this. We can't do that. What are we able to do? So I think that was probably the frustrating bit from their perspective. Um, but uh, yeah, so I suppose people are dealing in their best best way that they can, really. But certainly, um, I'm getting a lot of messages around. It's been it's pretty difficult for them because you know we're I suppose we had one trial game cancelled on the Friday night um, that we were about to start on the Sunday. So you know they were at the stage where they were just about to get into the good stuff, so to speak. Um, so yeah, difficult, but obviously there's nothing more we can do about that really now. Hopefully we can uh, look down the path. But as I was just hearing you say, the New South Wales Rugby League have, have gone a little bit further and have can their whole season. You're saying so? Just about all their junior competitions uh, or their junior representative competitions up to under 18s have been cancelled for the season, and they've also cancelled their NRL. Reserve grade feeder, as has Queensland. So, look, the signs are not good. What do you? No, they're not. They're, they're not good at all. Um, no. Um, what do you do then in the meantime? You mentioned individual programs, so you've had to sit down with your probably your leadership group and, uh, and your coaching staff yeah, and your other gone. coaches to draw up these programs. No, so we've just at the moment we've gone to our strength and conditioning. Um, who was one of our ex players actually? So he he'll put together more a group based. Um, individual sessions, so sort of you're in the, you know, if we call it an elite group in terms of the running, um, you know, the the intermediates and the, the less advanced group, I suppose. So we'll sort of structure it around that. And then, you know, the, the individuals can probably go through and pick out the group that they want to be in. Um, and I, I'll certainly guide some of my guys to, to what group they should be going in. Um, and 
that's how we'll try and keep them motivated. We've also talked about doing some other things, you know, social media type things within our sort of Facebook community, um, just to sort of, you know, whether that's the, the best skill of the week or something like that, um, just to sort of keep keep spirits alive as much as we, uh, we can at the moment. Well, you mentioned that, keeping spirits alive. That's probably got to be, not just for yourselves, but for all clubs, all sport at the moment, keeping the spirits alive is going to be the key over what's going to be a long extended period. If you're getting people getting itchy fingers now after one week, how's it going to be after one month, two months, yeah, that's three right. months, six yeah. months of this? And it's, you know, a lot of these guys and girls, it's their outlet during the week. That, you know, they, you know, we get to training on a Thursday night where we sort of have the majority of our, our, our players, I suppose. And we, upwards of that, at Cherrybrook there, we might have 120 to 150 guys and girls training and then hanging around for a bit of a barbecue after training. It's it's their outlet, it's their group friendship. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to them. Um, I think people probably don't realise that. Not maybe I didn't realise that as much when you, you know you don't start you don't see these guys on day in day out. You sort of you start to miss them and you know it's then the impact from a mental perspective and these guys that. Um, Certainly, I know three of them that have been let off work in the last sort of four or five days. So there's a, there's a fair bit at play, um, not just the footy side of things, but it's, it's everything else that goes with that. And, yeah, so it's and very you, difficult to keep spirits up with them, yeah. Mm, any plans or any strategies that you've thought about at this stage, either yourself or the club have thought about to... I mean, you mentioned some of the ideas, you know, social media's going to be used a heck of a lot now. Skype's yeah, going to be right. belted and Zoom, the, the, the latest uh, meeting uh, tool is going to be used quite heavily. Uh, anything else that, you, that you're thinking of at the, at the moment? Is it's going to be just a moving feast as we go forward? Yeah, so we've, yeah, as you say, I mean, we've, we've talked about the Zoom, having a bit of a team meeting on Zoom. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, um, yeah, other than that, the social media and, and sort of text messages and all those sorts of things, uh, there isn't much more we can do. You know, we obviously planned out a, a social calendar and all those sorts of things. And, um, you know, for me personally, it was my 20-year um, premiership reunion this year from my first first grade premiership. So that's certainly something that, that I'll miss. Um, but, yeah, so the, all those things that we had laid out, you know, we've got new club rooms coming into Cherry Rock in... Sort of late May, June. So you know whether we get to use those. Um, yeah, it will be a wait and see game, I suppose. But there's there's nothing certainly socially other than online that we can actually do. It's going to be one heck of a party when you do get those <laughs> rooms open. That late opening party could be something. And if it's good enough for the Olympic Games to postpone twelve months, it may have to be good enough for the twenty year anniversary to be. Um, 12 months postponed and still called the 20th anniversary reunion in its 21st year, something like that. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> what about, you mentioned some of these players, for a lot of them, it's, it's their outlet from their week-to-week living, their day-to-day living. Pat Wisner mentioned to me last week, the Asquith Magpies coach, that three or four of his guys had already lost their jobs as baggage handlers due to what's happened at airports and with airlines uh, laying off staff by the thousands. You've mentioned that you've got three of your players that have been laid off and have lost their jobs. Uh, A lot of these people out there have this misperception that players at this level of the game get paid a lot of money, but that's far from the case, and a lot of people have now got the double whammy of losing their job and their footy. Absolutely, yeah. So Penn and Hills, although we're pretty successful, we, we don't pay. Um, that's probably one of our differentiating factors to a few of the other Sydney AFL clubs. But No names, you know, no pack drill. <laughs> no, we no, we, pay, we don't pay any money, so they, they certainly can't live off that. And, uh, yeah, so they, they've got the double whammy in the fact that they, they don't get paid from us. But, yeah, some of them definitely have lost some jobs. So there a few of them were working in, um, in the AFL or for the Sydney AFL and the Giants. Um, so there's, and there have been layoffs there this week. Yeah, that's right. So Sydney AFL is down to um, two part-time staff now, um, and obviously the Giants—they've um, certainly gone into into isolation, so to speak, from their staffing perspectives. Yeah, so they—you know—they're um, they're looking for for roles or trying to get on that MyGov site. <laughs> Good luck doing that, given <laughs> some of the problems there this week. 
That's right, yeah. Yeah, uh, you mentioned unfortunate, but yeah, I'm not sure how we can tackle that one. I think well, you're not the only one there. I think there are people that are still getting paid that are having trouble tackling that issue. Um, going forward, then, um, firstly, what's the vibe? What are the spirits like from what you can pick up at the moment around the place? You mentioned the few are getting on the verge of stir crazy already. How hard is it going to be to manage that as we go through this? Yeah, look, I think that's that's definitely something I probably need to give some more thought to as to how I can manage it. Um, but given the limitations and, and no doubt some more stuff this weekend, how we can actually do that is is going to be something that I'm going to have to try and scratch my head over and, and work out what, what that plan will be. Because, you know, there's, it's, it, it's quite possible that I probably won't lay eyes on these guys for another month. Um and then if we can the season, you know, you know I, I really, I'm not sure what we'll do about that um, and, and what we possibly can do about it, to be honest, to be honest Tony. Yeah. What's the gut feel then? Um, is the gut feel around the place that that's it, we go to stage three lockdowns, we can't leave our homes and then we end up with Sydney AFL having to make the same call that the New South Wales Rugby League made this afternoon and how do you deal with the season being canned and having to come back in 2021? Yeah, well, these guys—you know—I I feel for the for the individual boys who have done. You know, we started training late last year, so they—you know—they've been. You, you do the hard blocks, which is you know your pre-season and your off-season training, where you're doing the the running and you know the the, the long hard stuff. You know, they've been—they'll get two of those in a row, and without any games in between, it's. That, that's the difficult thing for them individually. Like, there's nothing we can do, obviously, about the, the season. You know, that obviously, there's, there's more at play than just our stuff. But, yeah, for them having to pound the pavement, so to speak, for, for the best part of nine months, um, certainly won't be, you know, when we get to... If we start pre-season training in December, they certainly won't want to be doing much running. They'll want the ball straight away. You know, they'll want to start doing games. So maybe we need to look at bringing the season forward slightly. To, uh, to starting February or March, but obviously we've got cricket that needs to uh, to be dealt with as well. Because that's going to be the other issue, availability of grounds. It's all very well at the elite level to push seasons back into October, November, into December, which is one option. Uh, but at the local community level, there aren't as many grounds available. Local councils own these grounds, as we know, and traditional summer sports have, would in normal circumstances, have first bite of the cherry. The Greenway Complex for instance is a prime example. You bet. We share it um, we share it with baseball we've got little athletics we've got cricket and we've got junior AFL. Um, that's probably about the only ones that we've got on our ground there's a few others in terms of netball and stuff like that. That's uh, enough. It's heaps. It's heaps. So uh, yeah I'm not sure that... Uh, so cricket's lucky I think that they've got the, the lucky end of this, this uh, dilemma that we're in. Would you would you move the competition back to get something in this year, or if they decide to can, you mentioned what bring next year's competition forward to start in February? I'd love that, but I just you know you, you hit hit the nail on the head. To get grounds is tough. For to get AFL grounds is even tougher. We need bigger space. Obviously, we can't go onto a you know we can't share a soccer ground or anything like that. Unfortunately, unless we're playing AFL nines or something, but. Yeah, so I just, you know, as much as I'd love that to happen, if, if that's the call that they need to make about canning the season and bringing it forward or moving it back, I'm not sure how, how that'll work with the other sports because certainly, you know, the precedence is set with, um, with cricket having theirs from, you know, generally October. So, because our finals get played at a neutral ground, so we're off our grounds basically from late August, really. Generally speaking, uh, Hornsby Council and Community Guide Council have a demarcation of around September 1. They yep. would like the, the, the posts brought down by September 1 to lay the cricket pitches out for the start of the competitions, which are generally at the back end of September. So so that yep. makes it difficult. Spot on. Mm. Spot now, on. That, Especially in Greenway's just looking fantastic given that they uh, they've spent they had the investment into the ground over sort of 12 months ago. So it's just starting to look, look in prime shape, ready for the season, too, it was. Which leads to the next question, the disappointment of actually not getting on because the Demons um, had that great run, you know, in 2018, 
2019 made the finals, but that was about it. And uh, you were looking forward to getting back into a top three finish in 2020, no doubt. Yeah, so we had a we had a good run last year. So we uh, we finished uh, we scraped into the finals and then uh, then knocked out a couple of knocked out our both East Coast and North Shore, our uh, local guys. That's right. So the 2019, made, you had the great. I get my years mixed up because yeah. Yeah, so we had a good run. We got knocked out in the prelim when we were uh, we got knocked out by four point five points. It was actually in the prelim final last year. So and that, and that prelim couple. final was a was a was a nip and tuck battle all day. No, no. It's well, hang on, that's right. No, it was the, yeah, yeah. So last year we were terrible in, in for the first three goals. Sorry, first three quarters. Three quarters and then came home in the last quarter. I mean, came, came home and kicked yeah. nine in the last Nine in the last quarter, quarter and came up one kick short. Yes. Correct, um, yeah. 2018 is what I'm thinking of here. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, so we'd lost a few this year, to be honest. So we a couple of guys have moved away um, to Melbourne. Uh, we've got a couple of exceptional young um, junior kids. Um, that will probably get drafted, actually, at the end of this year, hopefully. Um, so we're probably going to lose a few. Um, we've probably returned a couple um, based in sort of Cherrybrook. We don't recruit players, um, which is a good and a bad thing, in terms of getting players into Sydney and coming out to Cherrybrook is, isn't an easy task. <laughs> so we picked up a couple um, the guys that had played for Penno previously, uh, a couple of old premiership players, um, and a couple that moved in with their girlfriends that played in the female side of things. So we're actually, I, I was quite buoyant about the season, to be honest. So, um, and the boys were training really well. I was I actually, the last session that we had, it was probably one of the best best ones that we'd had for quite some time, given that we were about to play in a, in a practice game on the weekend. So, um, yeah, so I was quite um, quite buoyant about what we uh, what we were looking forward to, to be honest. Yeah. And then you've got it. How confident then are you? Let's paint worst case scenario: nuclear winter situation, season canned, people are locked down for months in their homes. How do you stay on top of a the players to do their personal programs, which is almost next to impossible because you can't stand over them from uh, from behind a computer screen on Skype, and b how do you keep the players that you want to keep for, for 2021, given that it's going to be a t- an 18-month, two-year hiatus? Yeah, so it could. Um, so I was talking to a mate who's a VFL coach, actually. So they're, they're doing things like Strava, so all the boys are logging their, um, uh, their runs, so to speak, in Strava, so you can look at it through there. So that, that's potentially an option for us. Um, yeah, and look, I think it'll be, you know, I think, reality is it'll be different in terms of the personnel that'll be there you know, at this time next year you know, you get a few of the guys that you know might be at, their, at the end of their career this year and we're saying well I'll, I'll go another year or you get the guys that potentially going well, now that I haven't had a year of footy, my body's, my body's better now and I might have another crack um, so it could work could work in our favour and it could also go the other way um, I'm just not quite sure how that'll delay of the land. And to be honest, Tony, I don't reckon we'll know that until January of next year. I really don't think we'll get to that. You know, whilst everyone, you know, I can probably chat to everyone, the, the commitment that we'll get, I probably won't see that until January 2021. Because that's when you see the proof in the pudding. That's when you see who's put in the work and who hasn't. Well, and that's, yeah, who's who's got an interest in playing, you know, whether the guys go, I'm not just, you know, I might just, put my, myself on ice for the next six months if they can it. If they can it in sort of mid-May, um, they go, well, you know, now's the time that I'm just going to have a complete break away from it or might go the other way and go, I'm full on with it and I just can't wait to get back into it. But it's, a, it's obviously a six-month uh, waiting period. What about yourself as coach? You'll be back in 2021, no doubt? Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cross that bridge later. I've been... I've been going for a while at Penno, so um, yeah, that's something that I just need. I'll have to consider at a later stage. Yeah. Well, cross that bridge when you come to it. Um, we could delve into the the whys and wherefores, but we won't because uh, we need to go back into the bunker. <laughs> we need to we need to hunker down and do our thing. So uh, we do thank you appreciably for your time. It's not easy uh, to emerge and. 
Give us the update. We'll keep in touch over this ensuing period of the next few months, no doubt, Chris, especially if the worst comes to worst and um, we get an announcement that the season is canned. But let's cross our fingers that things can change and we do get back on the field at some stage this year. Chris Yard, thank you so much for your time. Take care and stay safe. Cheers, Tony. Thanks a lot. The Pennant Hills Demons senior coach, Chris Yard with us on the bench. And we wish Chris Yard and the Demons and everyone in the Australian game all the best as they try and grapple with what lies ahead. And as we probably go back to our gut feeling in the canning of the 2020 season, just as the New South Wales Rugby League has done, as mentioned in that interview, at the junior level. All right, time to take a break. We've reached half time on this special, second special COVID-19 emergency edition of Splinters. We'll take a break and come back to speak with Joe Haywood, the senior coach of the North Shore Mariners, to see how it's affecting part of the world of football right after this. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and the Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and also on a Tuesday night at www.triplehfm.com.au and shortly after that at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts as well. The usual good places, TuneIn, Spotify, iTunes and all the other places as well. We continue our wraparound of the codes and the Hornsby and Karingai as to how they're affected and how they're handling this COVID-19 emergency situation, uh, a crisis that has been unseen in our lifetime, a crisis that is a test of all of our metals, individually and collectively. Joe Haywood, the coach of the North Shore Mariners, had just started on the journey into the unknown, the brave new world of NPL1, and he started off quite well, four points in the back pocket, as I mentioned on the bench uh, last Friday night. And speaking with Joe, there was no doubt where his thoughts were and where his priorities lay as we go into the weeks and months ahead. Uh, a few weeks ago, we spoke with uh, this gentleman as he was looking forward to the start of an historic season for the North Shore Mariners as they made their way into the brave new world of NPL1. And they got off to a good start. A first up draw against Arpia, a massive, massive win in Wollongong. Okay, against Sydney FC, they came up with a, a massive speed hump, but they were in pretty good shape with one win, one draw, one loss, four points in the back pocket, and then it's all been stopped. Uh, I speak of Joe Haywood. He's the North Shore Mariners coach, and he's taken his time from self-isolation or bunkering down, whatever he's doing, to join us on the bench. Good evening to you, Joe. How are you? Yeah, good evening, Tony. Thanks for coming again. All right. Well, take us through, uh, firstly... As we've asked everybody else, when you started hearing word or when did you start hearing word about what was possibly happening uh, as this COVID-19 emergency started to really flare up almost out of control? Yeah, I think it's more because we've got um, family and friends back over in the UK and they're one or two weeks ahead of us, if you like, and on the curve of the virus. They were updating us what's happening in their sporting environment, what's happening in their schools. And as a consequence, those kind of actions have then happened here in Australia, um, you know, with the sports now being more or less closed down, full stop. And I think the schools, etc., will be not long to go either. So it's quite scary times, everybody. It is, absolutely. Um, now, eventually the announcement came through from Football New South Wales after consultation with the Football Federation Australia and that they'll relook at things at April the 14th. Now, that's only three and a half weeks away. Um was that perhaps, or is that perhaps a bit too optimistic a date to look at things again, or are they just looking at it as a review date, you think? Yeah, look, I think it was just a review date, so, you know, something to put a date on it to say this, this is what's happening, the sport's going to stop for, for a period, then you know, that lets them evaluate the sport as, as a code, um, 
can obviously make a decision, you know, with those, those decisions are getting more serious. For example, with people at the FSA obviously losing their jobs today, that, that's come out in the news. So, you know, it's all over the football landscape, this is happening with coaches losing their roles, uh, clubs, not sure what the next steps are. But obviously, players and parents who are paid registration fees, etc., you know, they don't know what's happening in their landscape either, whether football's going to come back online or not this season. Um, yeah, it's kind of the, the unknown at the moment, but that's what everyone in the whole country is waiting for, is to find out what the next steps are from, you know, Scott Morrison right down to the FSA to local grassroots football. What's your gut feeling then, uh, Joe? Do you think we'll get back on the park this season or are we about to bunker right down for something we've, well, we've only read about in wartime? Yeah, like I think it's going to be complete lockdown pretty soon. That's, that's just going on. I, I said people I know in Europe that are doing that right now. For example, my brother back home is having to close down his business. Uh, they're not moving out of their house. Mm-hmm. Dad, they're in their house. They're not allowed out. I need to go to shopping at Pacific times during the day. So I think that'll be happening here within our within our country pretty soon. How hard do you think that will be for people here to uh, get used to? It's pretty hard from your experience, from what your brother and your family have had to get used to uh, after Boris Johnson has put out the decrees over there. Yeah, look, I think it's something that the Australian community's got to get to grips with pretty quickly. Because um, I've seen a lot of people who are saying they're working from home to try and self-isolate, but you know, they're on the streets. Uh, you know, people have lunch in the parks, having picnics, meeting up with friends. I saw the other day a lot of people training football down at the local park. Reality, I think, the, you know, as a country and as a community, we need to be a bit stricter on ourselves and just put a stop to it. Otherwise, the virus is going to keep going and keep growing. And effectively, it's just delaying everybody getting back to normality, whether that's within their workplace or their sport environment, whatever that might be. So I just think we have to try and look at ourselves as individuals first and foremost, just from my point of view, and just say, look, take it seriously. It is serious. Uh, people have lost their jobs. We have to try and look at ourselves. You know, there's people dying all over the world. Let's try and put a stop to this now, and everyone can do their bit by self, self-isolating as an individual and as a family and, you know, just doing your bit towards kind of stop the virus going. How hard are your family doing it back there uh, at the moment uh, in the UK, having to bunker down like it's wartime? It's really hard to to get used to, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's very difficult, you know, especially you know, with young families as well. You're isolated, you're inside, trying to come up with different things, trying to stay in the young children, etc. But also, you know, mum and dad are in their 70s, um, they obviously can't go out now, so they've got out to go out for one walk a day, for example. Um, let's go to shops once a day. Apart from that, you know, they're inside. So just got to try keep, number one, keep their sanity. So we're doing lots of face, face times, especially with the kids playing games. And got them hooked up on different networks so they can, you know, just entertain, entertain themselves, sorry. Um, but, yeah, as I say, I think that's going to come into the Australian place uh, quite soon. Um Hopefully, sooner rather than later, so we can try and get a stop to this. The same as what China's kind of doing. It's coming out the other end of it now. And so hopefully we can do that. Because ultimately, I don't foresee uh, community football here in Australia starting this year. Um, I think it will be put back to, to next year. I think NPL 1 football and State League football might come back this year. The only reason being in my, my thought process of thinking that is because community football shares grounds with other codes. For example, you know, the football teams in our local area, for example, the Lane Coast and Northbridge, during the summer months, their fields are cricket fields. Um, but NPL teams, they have uh, their actual own grounds, which are football grounds. So hopefully the FFA, just if the virus does go, we are allowed to come back to normality towards the end of the year. I think that code they might get changed into um, a summer sport just for that short period of time so we can play and continue the season in the NPL leagues, whether that's NPL 1 all the way through to NPL 4. Yeah, I'm not sure. In that case, you'd probably be happy with a later start in September, October perhaps, and get enough games in at these designated football grounds like Lambert Park, like Marconi Stadium, like the Sydney United uh, Sports Centre, the Illenden Sports Centre, to play, let's say, 11 11 competition rounds. So that means everyone plays everybody else once and then go into finals from there. Yeah, I mean, in, in reality, the NPL leagues, most teams would start training in you know, October and the season starts in March. <laughs> you know, so it's probably the longest pre-season in world football. Um, 
then the actual season is only normally 22 weeks long. So if we can try and turn it on our heads and rather than play pre-season games like what we would normally do as a club in, say, um, early November, this season we might be playing actual league games in November. Um, hopefully that's, that's the case and we can try and get back to playing football late, later on this year. But as I say, it depends on what level you're at. And I think grassroots football might take the worst hit because obviously they share the codes unless some kind of relationship can be built with different sports working together, uh, which hopefully it could be also. Hopefully that's uh, that's the case. Then that would mean that if you if we play a, a season, a condensed season, September, October, November, finals in December, and then we're back into it in February and March, how much of a challenge would that be to get training programs organised or freshen the guys up for a short, like, five, six-week off-season before getting up and going again? Or would it just be a matter of continuing uh, or scaling back practice into pre-season mode in that short six-week period? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think it'll actually be better for you know, the players to a certain extent. Again, you know, my, my background, I'm obviously from, from England, where you only get a six-week break um, between the different leagues. So, you know, you finish at the end of, say, May, June time, and then you've got six weeks, and then, then you're back starting again. Now, that might be the same here for this season. Um, hopefully, we don't have the same scenarios back in 2004 when the old um, the old league here came about and you know, football was stopped for about a year and 18 months, I think I read today. Um, hopefully, that doesn't happen and we can you know, get some kind of form of football activity happening again because everyone needs that for their mental state, but also their physical health as well to get back on the class and play and do things that everybody loves. I'm sure there's going to be a big party around the world when... Um, Everyone can come out of self-isolation. Well, that would be—that's uh, a massive understatement. Let me tell you, there'll be parties yeah. going on everywhere. In the yeah, mean, sure. in, the, in the meantime, though, um, how do you monitor? I wouldn't say police—too strong a word—but how do you monitor players' fitness given the restrictions that have and may be about to be put into place? You obviously have to give players individual programs. How do you stay on top of them? Yeah, so basically what we've done as a starting point at our club is we've given everybody a home training program which has aerobic and anaerobic work within there. It has core stability and physical strength. And then the next step is just to try and get those uh, lads engaged in what you're trying to do. So we're, we're kind of trying to keep in communication with every player at the moment just to see how they're getting on with that platform and how they're working. But the next step is for us to actually potentially do those programs together as a group on some kind of social networking. So I saw, for example, one of the big European clubs today, Bayern Munich, uh, they had a platform and all their professional players on, um, there was like a, a Skype kind of form process, but they had all 20 players on the same program with all their cameras on live and their fitness trainers were going through a routine with them, whether it was the pre-activation or the warm-ups, going into some strength and core work. So, you know, there's things like that that clubs can do and teams can do. They just set your time, say Thursday night, 7 o'clock, when you normally be training. Get everybody live hooked, uh, and, and hooked into your network and then just deliver a home training programme where everybody's together as a group. You know, that's, that's probably going to be our next step as a football club to do that for our senior teams mainly and potentially for our youth teams also. You would have... Um, again, yeah, sorry, Tony. No, no, go on, sorry. Yeah, I was, I was saying for our youth teams and our... Um, junior teams and staff teams what we've developed is some home training programs where we've recorded some of our players uh, just before you know, football stopped um, we got all those videos and then we've just been editing those throughout the week so we've sent out four videos to our players already this week as week one and we've got a lot more to send out for those kids you know, boys and girls so they can continue their development and football homework at, you know, at home if you like and continue to develop their technical ability. All right. Now, the next step before instituting these programs at the senior NPL1 level, you have to obviously keep in touch with club management and the rest of your coaching staff. How have you gone about doing that? How difficult has that been to be in touch with your fellow coaches and um, administrators given all the restrictions going on? I, I would suspect that Zoom and Skype are getting a, a massive hit out like it is everywhere else at the moment. Yeah, for sure. You know, they are doing trying to communicate with, with, with the coaches as much as you can. Um, unfortunately, because of the landscape, you are finding that a lot of clubs are um, standing down coaches just because the clubs are more or less frightened about what's next. Um, you know, they don't want to go bust. So a lot of the, for example, the youth coaches 
Um, they've all been put on their salary hold, for example, so they're not going to get paid during this downtime. Um, so it's kind of a difficult situation to work through. And you're trying to make sure that those coaches are engaged and want to come back to the club, but also come back to the sport when this when this time passes. Um, it's not an easy an easy process to manage, but you know, football's only a small part of the big world. There's, there's other people out there who have actually lost their jobs. If, if you put it into you know context, with people losing jobs that are homeless, etc., that are starving and looking for food, um, we're just trying to get the sport healthy, make, maintain the coaches um, to are interested in sport, and hopefully, again, football can bounce back soon. I'm sure it will do because everyone, especially in Australia, you know, this great country that we all, we all live in. Um, everyone loves sport here, so it will bounce back, and I'm sure it will bounce back even stronger. It has to, for the sake of, of, of everyone concerned. What about yourself, Joe, um, personally? Um, uh, massive season for you personally, leading the club into the new frontier. How hard has it been for yourself, and how hard do you think it will be if we go into this long period of, of isolation? You probably got the the experience of the family back in the UK to, to balance off against any hardships and in inverted commas you may go through here. Yeah, of course. You know, first and foremost, the start of the season, um, us as a group and a team, it was a great uh, start to our season against Arthur. Um The boys were actually happy after the game, but I was disappointed after the game. I thought we should have beaten them. Um, round two against Wollongong Wolves, you know, the national champions. We weren't sure how that game was going to go, but you know we ended up winning that game. But we sustained a lot of injuries in that game. Also, club captain Chris Lindsay uh, ripped the ligaments in his ankle. Lena Chamel, our defender, uh, broke his ankle during the week of training. That's kind of two of our starting defenders out the way. They had to shuffle the pack slightly. Round three against Sydney FC, those defensive frailties got found out, and uh, we actually played well. And we were okay on the ball but we were just naive in the way that we played against the team who was set, set up for counter-attack when a you know, 4-4-2, they sat back deep and then as soon as you make a mistake, they transition very quickly. You know, that's a game plan from the 13th to first grade to try and play that style and they're very good at it. Um, you know, they, they did really well. So for us as a club, it was a good start and for myself, I was really happy with it. You know, as you said at the start of the programme, four points on the board um, for a new team that everyone thought was going to get relegated was a great achievement. Um, we're looking forward to the next game against Blacktown City, but obviously the season got put on hold. Going to me personally, I've now been stood down from the role um, at the moment of the Mariners, again, same as all the other coaches within the club, because the club's, again, worried about what the next steps are. And I'm lucky because I'm a full-time employee at the club, so I'm at, at, you know, at the moment I'm on a crude leave, so I'm still getting paid, my family's okay um, for now, but for me, I just want the football world to come back so we can start playing the game that we all love as quickly as we can. Uh, so, therefore, you're hoping that the return is sooner rather than later. What have you prepared for if it is the worst-case scenario? As I've said earlier in the programme, nuclear winter, we go into lockdown, and this year gets completely canned altogether. We're back in 2021. That's going to be something very difficult for you to work through. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's one of those things. You've... I think football, um, in general, will probably have to press the reset button and you know start again and start fresh. And that would be the same for our programme because some of the boys uh, might move on. For example, some some of the players in our programme, but also the girls' programme, they you know they might move on to different parts of their career. They might get a promotion. They might leave the country. You know, who knows what will happen to all the players? So it's kind of if you have to start again, um, you might have to you know, recruit again. Have to start from scratch to the football club and the first team. Hopefully, it doesn't come to that. And you know, the players that are here want to be around you. But worst case scenario, as I said, you know, the FFA and Football New South Wales might just go, This season's over, we'll come back next season. And then you've got to start that whole process again of building a successful team um, from scratch this time around. Whereas last season, obviously, you had the players in for a year, they were fit and sharp and ready to go with it. You know, a short break before you start the pre season, we wouldn't have that now. So I guess it's the unknown is what's ahead of us. All we can do is try and look after ourselves and our families, self-isolate as best as we can. Um, don't go crazy out there, everybody, and just look after yourselves as a family and try and just maintain your health and then hopefully everyone else does the same thing that the whole country can then bounce back quickly. You mentioned that you've been stood down along with the rest of the coaching staff uh, at the moment, but 
the Mariners have made the uh, commitment that when things are back up and running, you'll be back there. Um, yeah, no, no right. doubt about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I've, I've, I've been around the club for years, so it's just a case of it's, it's more looking after the club um, and making sure the club's in the right area and doing the right things for themselves. Um, I'm part of the club, but for the next three months, I, I am stood down as an employee. After that period, in terms of a financial situation, the club says we'll address that after two months. So we're going to try and get a plan in place. One of those plans is obviously looking at funding grants, uh, sports opportunities to try and get money from the government to support local sports grounds and non-for-profit organisations that the committee is working through now. Um, so hopefully, you know, these things are in place. So after that three months period, the money can con- can continue to be there for myself and my family. And, and obviously, when football does come back in line, yeah, they, you know, they want me back in there as lessons as well as the rest of the coaches within the club as well, because we're all doing a great job. What about the players, though? I mean, it's it's been early doors, and some of them are probably still coming to terms with what's all happened. It's been very sudden, but and you mentioned that maybe some of them will move on, but from what you've gathered, will most of your squad want to come back? Yeah, like I think we're in a fortunate, a fortunate situation because over the whole, I don't know if MPR one team this year is a young team. Um, you know, we've got a lot of 19-year-olds, uh, 19 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds within the team. Um, obviously, we've got some older lads there, but they're not, you know, 34, 35, they're more 30, 31. So I think we're in a lucky space where we've got a good group of players who all want to be around the club and around each other. Well, like, um, like Eddie Caspers has been with you since day dot. Yeah, that's it. You know, he's, he's, he's played the first three games as a 17-year-old. You know, lad playing in those fixtures, getting experience and getting better and better each week. You know, that 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 sort of environment that we've got in our club. So I think we're fortunate. I think we're lucky. I think we have a good culture, which will hopefully stand in good stead when we do come back online. All right, then. Um, one uh, last thing. Um, you mentioned that it was a great start. Is that the most disappointing thing, uh, that you showed the promise, you got the early win, OK, <coughs> early injuries, but you were more than making up the numbers and you were already making an impression on some of the critics who had written you off and had were saying you were going to go straight back down at the end of year one. Yeah, look, you know, it, was, it was really unfortunate, first and foremost, that we got the injury because uh, we do have a good squad. Um, there is uh, a, a lot of good players in it that can all fight for each other and push for each other. But, you know, same, same as any team, once, once you lose um, your club captain, for example, it's a big loss. So, you know, missing players like that within the programme does But, you know, we've got young players, also experienced players. We have to give these individuals the opportunity to play. You know, they can all hold their own within within the programme. But in hindsight, as us for the club, because we did have a few injuries niggling away, which was going to be big ones, I kind of looked at it as a positive, really, went, well, actually, we might be able to get some of these players back before when the season does come back. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22. We wanted the season to continue because we started so well, but we knew we had a few injuries and a break might allow those players to come back in. The difficulty is now we just don't know how long this break's going to be. Um, so what was that, the, that's, what, that's yeah, where we are right now. Yeah, what's, what was the original prognosis on, on Chris? It was fairly uh, lengthy, not quite the season, but it was a, a few weeks out. Might be the silver lining to get him back. Uh, if, yeah, that's if, right. So Chris Lindsay was a ruptured uh, ligament in his ankle, which was six weeks minimum. We had Rainer Schmel, which was a broken ankle. So he was out. Shawnee was coming back from a long-term knee injury. Brian Jan, we thought, might have broken his finger against Wollongong. Sorry, against him yesterday, the week before. So we weren't sure if he was going to be able to play. But obviously just a few, few niggly injuries here and there. A few people tight with hamstrings that you might want to rest. Um, under you know, normal circumstances, you had squads full, but we weren't going to be able to do that. So we're going to have to rely on you know, youth players coming through, like the likes of Eddie Lee. Um, you know, and as I say, Eddie Casters, who's, who's already stepped up. So overall, I said we've got a good squad. Everyone's competitive and fighting for each other. But you know, the breather does give us a chance to get some players back in. But the unfortunate thing is now we don't know how long this break will be for us. Um, and as I said, worst case scenario, we might have to. To reset the whole season and, and reboot the programme. But overall, personally, I think football might need that right now in this country. Um, I think it's a bit of a mess in general, the pathways, um, which players are going where, are we, are we generally getting 
the best players coming through while, while they're getting lost in their development. Where are the coaches working with these players? Obviously, Rob Sherman, the technical director, has just resigned from his role. And I think Graham Arnold today said he's going to come in as a temporary replacement as part of his role as manager. Well, that's going to be too much for him to handle, given what he's got on his plate, even though the national teams are all in isolation for at least the next six months. You have to get a technical director of quality somewhere from some time. And as you're probably aware, Football Federation Australia has made some mistakes in those appointments in recent times. Yeah, I mean, you know, the ones in previous time I can't really speak of. The only one I can speak of is Rob uh, Rob Sherman, who's just resigned. I thought, you know, he was an, an outstanding coach, educator first and foremost, and an outstanding technical director who had some backing behind him. I've obviously worked with the successful Welsh um, national team with structure. <coughs> Excuse me. But it was just a case of the football clubs around the country not wanting to work with each other, the associations trying to do different things in different territories. So everyone was rather than going, let's all these football clubs point in the right direction. It was the clubs looking after themselves, the associations not working and putting in place a platform in place for linking with the FSA. So as I said, it's kind of a bit of a, a mess at the moment and it all needs to be brought back together so that football has that clear pathway that it used to have many years ago, I think, when a lot of good Australian players were playing around the world, whereas now there isn't many. Um, there's probably two world-class ones and they play for the same club um, in England and within the Premier League. Apart from that, there isn't many around the world. It's a shame. Absolutely. Well, that's almost a, another debate. That's almost another Wikipedia page. It for, is, it is. <laughs> for, another, for another time when we're back in clear waters again. Um, yep. All right. Many thanks uh, for your time. Um, the message that you're giving tonight is the message that is pretty strong. It's out there. Stay safe, self-isolate, and don't put your fellow Australian at risk. You've seen it at close quarters through your family back in the UK, and it's a sobering message but a vital one for all of us who think we can just make our way through and think this is just another flu. It's not another flu. It's the most serious uh, thing that we have seen in our country in over a hundred years. Um, so we thank you for that message. We will keep in touch as this uh, emergency develops and hopefully finishes in the not too distant future. Thank you so much, Joe Haywood. Stay safe, and we hope to be talking some football again sometime soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having us on again. And again, stay safe yourself. Thank in- you. Indeed, Joe Haywood, the coach of the North Shore Mariners. A sobering message indeed from Joe Haywood. Certainly looking big picture and all the more credos to him for doing so. We wish him, his family back in the UK as the death toll rises dramatically over there on the edge of the EU and the North Shore Mariners the best. We hope to see them back on the field. And who knows, that scenario he painted of an end of season using soccer-only grounds may very well come to fruition. At least they'll be ready to go and they won't have to worry about cricket or other sports interfering on them. All right, the referee has blown full time. It's time to go back to our bunkers. Time to go go back to self-isolation. Time to go back and wash our hands and do the safe things and make sure we stay out of harm's way as we continue this journey through the COVID-19 darkness. We'll be back again next Tuesday night with another special COVID-19 edition of Splinters. Until then, my name is Tony Dosen the Sultan. Stay safe, everyone. For this episode of Splinters, it's goodbye.